The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Draftmas has come and gone. The Kansas City Chiefs have finished up their selections in the 2020 uh, 2020 NFL Draft. They made five picks. Brett Veach did not move up or back. He did not make any trades for the first time in his career as an NFL GM. They make five selections. Two today. They're done a little bit early. They can start recruiting their undrafted free agents. We'll get talking about the two guys they picked and just some overall thoughts on the 2020 draft class. And here to help me do that first, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. How are we feeling today on this Saturday, my friend? But I was dragged a little bit this morning. You know, draft week's long. We stay up late talking about the draft, bringing some content to you guys, and then our football brains don't turn off. So we talk a little bit. I lay in bed thinking about what's happening, maybe watch the <laughs> film. So it's been a long weekend. I was dragging, but then... uh. The Chiefs started popping off in this uh, early on this day three in the draft, so I started feeling pretty good about it. So I'm up. I'm a little amped right now. How about you, Craig? I am exhausted, you guys. <laughs> I I ain't gonna lie. I am exhausted. Draft is over for the Chiefs, so I'm very curious to see who they get in UDFA's. I I like a lot of guys that are still left here, particularly at corner. I think there's a lot of guys that are still available, but. We'll see who they get here. That uh, that might get me going a little bit more after we start seeing some of those come in. But man, I'm tired. I'm ready. I'm I, I'm just I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> UDFA's are like when you have like a a family gathering like a couple days after Christmas. So like you know that you've got you know you, you they all come you you get your Christmas done and then a couple days later you meet up with you know your your aunts and your uncles and you exchange a few gifts here and there and all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited to see what the UDFA class looks like. And we'll probably talk about that next week. Um, But let's go ahead and talk about a couple selections that the chiefs made today on Saturday, day three of the draft. And to start with the fourth round, pick 138, Legereus Sneed out of Louisiana Tech, who we graded as a safety in the KC draft guy, did not get a, ra- a, a write-up because he, we gave him a sixth, seventh round grade as a safety because for some reason, Louisiana Tech decided to move him from cornerback, which he played in 2018 last year. And there are some fun 
clips of him playing cornerback. They moved him off of cornerback, moved him to safety. Sounds like we're getting him back at cornerback, Craig. Yes, it definitely does. Yeah, a team that has a uh, short Amik Robertson and long Legereus Sneed <laughs> moved long Legereus Sneed to safety and kept Amik Robertson at corner. Who got taken before Amik Robertson? Yeah, one pick before, one pick Maddie. before, and that's not a, that's not Amik. <laughs> That's not Amik Robertson, Shay. It's just we've talked about Amik as a safety a lot. It's just weird that Sneed got moved there. Sneed has, ladies and gentlemen, a tier one Seabat athletic profile. He Uh is explosive. He is fast. For anybody who doesn't know what that is, maybe you're tuning in for the first time, anything like that, I came up with a way of looking at cornerback athletic testing and how it translates to the NFL. If you are a Tier 1 CBAT, you have a 60% chance to go ahead and contribute in the NFL regardless of the of the round that you're drafted in. And the general cornerback contribution is about 20%. So if you are gambling on a cornerback late in the draft – I pound the table. I say you should always take these types of guys because, you know, six times out of 10, they work out. And in the fifth round, that's their fourth round. Fourth that round. is crazy, crazy value there. I, I'm excited to see Sneed. Yeah, so to pull back the curtain a little bit, you know, somebody gets assigned a player as the primary grade. They go through, they grade their three, four games, whatever, you know, they feel comfortable grading to get enough snaps in. Legereus Sneed gets a grade as a safety. It's not good. You know, whoever's grading him just says there's not a lot here to see. Maybe somebody else gets a chance to go back in and look. Legere Sneed, safety. Yeah, okay, this tape isn't very good. We feel comfortable where we have him. It wasn't until about when the draft guide was being released that I just heard whispers that, like, the NFL liked him better at corner. He played at corner in 2018, and it was better. So just one morning, I think I was hanging out with my daughter while we were stuck at home, and I threw on some of his tape against Hawaii. Just, it's a different completely different thing than what's going on in 2019. He's beating up these poor Hawaii wide receivers off the line <laughs> of scrimmage. He's sending these guys to the third row. Like, yes, Amik Robertson's better at cornerback in college. Yes, he was a better player than Legereus Sneed in college. He put Colin Johnson in the dirt more than once. Legereus Sneed's doing the same thing, though. He's playing the exact same way as Amik Robertson, just as a much bigger package. I think he does need some development. He's not near as fluid as some other corners, but that's what makes him a perfect fit for the Chiefs. They don't ask their corners to be super fluid and run horizontally. You get physical, you carry vertical, you use your length, you use your speed and ball skills, and Legereus Sneed has all of those. Anytime I watch a 2018 Louisiana Tech game, I find him putting the putting the clamps on a receiver and throwing them around. It's been so much to go back fun to go back and watch him do his thing. I'm glad that she took him, and it's just it's a lot of fun because he's a guy that my opinion completely changed on about a month and a half ago, just on a whim. And now to see them take him, that's awesome for me because, like I said, I really liked what I saw. Yeah, and Legereus Sneed probably strategically did not run the agilities at the NFL Combine, so. A lot of his explosion, a lot of his linear athleticism testing you got to see, and it was elite. Now, maybe if he, you know, he didn't run any of the agilities, and it's, you know, to the, some of the stuff that Maddie just mentioned, it's probably strategic. But as a linear athlete, he makes sense for the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of sense. Length, physicality, willingness to tackle, physical at the line of scrimmage, ball skills. I mean, that... <laughs> That profile He's got right three there? pick sixes. He's got three pick sixes in his career at Louisiana Tech. That's not nothing, guys. That's He's, not nothing. Yeah. 
And if if you watch the if you watch the highlight or if you watch the little video of him getting drafted, Steve Spagnolo is hyped. Hyped. Super hyped. hyped. So can we call La Tech DBU Junior? Did he say that? I like it. No, can I? Yeah, because you know we now have a Meek and Legarius Sneed coming out of there. You know all these interceptions, all these ball skills right there behind LSU for DBU. Ohio State can kick Dan, kick cans down the road with their two round one corners, one of which an athletic marvel with thirty inch arms running a four (laughs) seventeen in the first round. Um, One of the things, Steve Raiders, Steve Steve Spagnolo, Steve Spagnolo called him his number one guy though. I think there, we should not ignore that. I don't know if that was number one guy on day three. I don't know what that means exactly. But at the cornerback position, the Chiefs and and, and it is confirmed. Andy Reid confirmed that that Legarius Sneed will be playing corner, which I think we are all geeked about because we've all had eyes, I believe, on Legarius Sneed as a corner now. Uh, <laughs> because well, because I was watching Meek Robinson, and we finally got some. We got some. We acquired some Louisiana Tech all twenty two after the guide released. <laughs> Unfortunately. Dang it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I think, you know, if, if we had wound up grading Legarius Sneed as a cornerback, he probably would have been in that Thicarious Keys range for us, I think, yes. which was about a, a fourth round grade. Is that is that fair to say, Craig? Yeah, I, I think so. I like what he did. And yeah, Maddie kind of covered it there. He's He doesn't change directions particularly well, but the length, the physicality, the speed, the ball skills, that that kind of falls in there along with a Reggie Robinson, along with a Thakarius Keys, guys like that that we are that we liked there in the middle rounds that we were kind of cheering on that hoping the Chiefs might take one of those guys as a developmental corner. Now, that's the key there. You shouldn't expect a ton out of Legarius Need this year. Like, this is a future pick for sure, but that athletic profile is something you have to gamble on. You absolutely have to gamble on. Take the stab at him there, because frankly, if Legarius Sneed gets a year with Sam Madison, Steve Spagnuolo, Dave Merritt here, and develops a little bit more, that's a future guy that you can put on the outside and trust that he's going to play the way that Steve Spagnuolo wants his cornerbacks to play. And that's very important to note. Like he did just spend the whole year learning to play and playing safety. So this is not a guy that's most likely ready to jump in and play early on the season. Like he's got to go back. Not only does he have to improve as a corner, he's got to get back into that mindset. Now, I think it's a perfect fit. And by the end of the year, if he got some reps, I wouldn't be shocked. But I do think he needs some coaching before he's 100% ready to go. I guess with that being said too, Kendall Fuller's role is still open. If they think Sneed can play a little bit out of the slot, maybe you do see him play that hybrid safety extra slot role. I like him better outside. I'm going to go ahead and say that now. I also like Rashad Fenton better outside though. So they are still missing another slot defender in my opinion. So one of those two guys is going to have to jump down there a little bit. Maybe it will be Sneed because of that safety experience. I'm not sure. I love the vet on the athletic profile though. I mean, you don't get athletic profiles like this on day three very often at the cornerback position. It's really... Well, actually, the Chiefs now have two tier ones, don't they, Craig? Two tier ones? Who's the you other had... tier one? Oh, I thought uh, I thought a uh, guy we just picked up from Oh, the yeah, Antonio Hamilton. I'd, I'd already forgotten about our guy, Antonio Hamilton. <laughs> yes, he does. That's two day three or later tier one C-bats. There you Listen, go. that's... I believe Hamilton's was a pro day CBAT tier one. So take that with a grain of salt, just like, you know, Luke Barku's pro day tier one there. 
What I do like though about this is I like the bet on the profile, but also I think you know I think he's got he's an immediate special teams contributor as well. I think he actually profiles well as a special teams player, um, and you know even if he's never a guy that's able to contribute at the cornerback position, which I think I have a lot of hope for. Honestly, I have a lot of hope for that. Um, you're getting a special teams player for sure, and uh, he plays like I always say this. He's a guy. He's one of those guys that plays with high football character. You can tell he loves football. You can tell how hard he plays, the way he plays the game is someone that plays with high football character. We're going to take a break, and we will be talking about the Chiefs' fifth-round pick right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We've talked about fourth round pick, Legereus Sneed, the cornerback, emphasis on cornerback, out of uh, Louisiana Tech. Now it's time to switch gears to the Chiefs' final pick of the 2020 NFL Draft, defensive end... Michael Dana out of Michigan, a guy who started his career at Central Michigan, had a very productive career there, graduate transferred to Michigan, and kind of got lost a little bit in the Big Ten on a Michigan defense. Uh, Maddie, what what were your initial thoughts when the pick was made? So this is an interesting one. Like I saw it come across, and I knew who Mike Dana was. I can't say I got a lot of eyes on him. I only ever saw him live last year. This year, he wasn't somebody I really put under the microscope. But I knew who he was. I knew a little bit about him, but not a ton. And then I went and looked up, you know, his athletic profile. Maybe there was something that I was missing, and I saw that he just his last after active accurate athletic measurements were all below Steve Spagnuolo's thresholds at defensive end that he looks for. He's under 6'3", he weighed in under 260 pounds at the Shrine game, and his arms are under 33 inches. I think Michigan said he played over 260, so you're either 1 for 3 or 0 for 3. Either way, that profile has never played significant snaps for Steve Spagnuolo, ever. He has never had a player with that size profile play significant snaps. I threw on a quick Michigan here just to see what was happening. He plays the position like Steve Spagnuolo wants a defensive end. He's got a really thick lower body. He's explosive. He has no problem playing physical and through blockers. It's just when you play like that and you have a stocky build, you have a really small margin for error. So something about him really intrigues the Chiefs, and it's probably that explosive first step. It's just that size profile does concern me the way the Chiefs like to play their defensive ends. Yeah, he's passed. He's explosive. Uh, I believe the area scout that uh, was talking about him mentioned that they felt like he could kick into three tech. So I, I mean, that's what Steve Spagnuolo does with his defensive ends on passing downs. That makes sense. So that should tell you they plan on him playing defensive end. I know initially all of us kind of went, is this a Sam? Because he doesn't fit any of those Steve Spagnuolo requirements there. And he's a little bit of an athlete. Now, that being said, a sub rusher is not a bad thing to add here. 
I really do think that he can contribute in that way there. I'm just not sure that you're going to see him doing a lot of base defensive end just because Spagnuolo likes that length. He likes to be able to set a hard edge with both of his defensive ends. We just have to see the usage of him here, but it was definitely a head scratcher. A lot of places had him as a priority free agent type player, not a drafted player, let alone one in the fifth round. Uh, I, it's not a, a direct correlation or a direct example, but part of me, like the Chiefs, when the Chiefs signed Jeremiah Ateochu last year, I was like, huh, that's not really a Sam. That's more of a of a rush player. That's more of a, a rushdown player where, you know, like it's like a sub rush guy. And they, they played around with him a little bit and, and considered, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, he, he lasted. Uh, did he, didn't he make the initial 53 and then was cut? Is that is am I am I misremembering? Yes, I believe I believe he made it initially and was cut almost immediately when they made a yeah, move, and I don't remember right. what the move was. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember either. But I just think about like, like just that. Like Jeremiah Tejuchi wasn't a great fit as a Sam, if you want to call him a Sam or a rush player. But he was a rush player, and he was on rushing downs. This maybe is a similar thing where they're bucking some of the trends that they're used to, and maybe that's just because. You know, some of you know what Steve Spagnolo wants, his thresholds in the past, maybe they're catching up to a little bit for some, you know, some special situations with like a rush player like this. A, you know, a guy that, you know, maybe they really are just trying to use him on rushdowns or looking at him potentially as a guy that they bring in on rushdowns to potentially. My question then would be, I don't know if he's a prolific rusher though. He had 15 sacks in his career at the University of Central Michigan and over 25% of them came in one game against Maine. It's like, it's not like he was a super high prolific, you know, small school pass rusher that then went up to the next level and maintained that success. He was pretty mediocre as a pass rusher against Michigan. Like I said, none of us have put him under the microscope yet, so we're going to get there. Just my quick viewing that I just saw, I like him better versus the run just because Hmm. he's willing to play through blockers. But when you don't have that length, it's kind of iffy. Now, he's a high-energy, high-effort player. So it's just a weird fit to me because, like I said, I was just perusing the stats. I'm like, wait, he had eight and a half sacks his best year at Central Michigan, but four of them came against Maine. Like, and he hasn't had any sacks at Central Michigan against the Power 5 school. He got a couple cleanup sacks this year. So I don't know. It's just I don't think he's a pass rush specialist, especially early on. So I just wonder how he's going to find the field at this point in time. It would have been It is a head scratcher. Oh. Yeah, it is yeah. a head scratcher. It, is, it just it, – it's a head scratcher overall. It would have been interesting to see the Chiefs double dip at cornerback. <laughs> Maybe a Stan- offensive line. Stanley Thomas Oliver – Yes. The Carius, Bo Pete Keys, couple guys like yeah. that. I would have loved to see them. If they fall out as UDFA. Oh my gosh. Get em. One get of them. them. Just get one of them. Just make grab one of those guys. I'll be thrilled. I would love to get one of those guys here in Kansas City. Um I if they'd take one of those guys in the fifth, I would have been geeked out. That if they had taken one of those two, we probably like I know Craig probably gives this whole draft an A plus. Oh, if we take one, if we double dip at both of those high upside long cornerbacks, yes, yes, that this draft is an A plus. Guys, it, Steve Spagnolo got to add a bunch of speed this weekend. Yeah, that, I, I think I think we should really take note of that. Uh, Legarius Sneed, Willie Gay, and even yes, Mike Dana 
have a lot more speed than some of these slower positions that we've seen the Chiefs field over the past several years here. Spagnolo wanted speed and they added a ton of it, which they're going to need because so did the rest of the AFC West. Yeah, who cares? I'm not worried about yeah. the AFC West. Oh, I'm not either. I'm not you either, but this- we can't we can't just they- let the offense do all the work, Kent. All the AFC West, all of them added a bunch of horsepower, but they don't have someone who can drive still. Derek Carr is going to blow it. So, um, Maddie, I know you were really, really kind of hoping the Chiefs might take a swing on Prince Tega Winogu with injury issues. Yeah, and I don't know what the injury issues are. I don't think anybody does yet. I know it's obvious he has some, but he's a top 50 player for us. He's still on the board here, I believe. I have had to step away from the draft the last little bit, so maybe he's gone off the board. I'm not sure. Or Hakeem Adeniji would have been a lot of fun for me. I think there's plenty of offensive line talent out there. So same thing. Like if any of these guys make it to the undrafted free agents, I would love to see a shot at them. Tinfoil hat real quick. I wonder if Mike Dana was a priority free agent for them and they just got rumors or wind that somebody else also liked him and somebody banged the table to say, hey, I want this guy for sure. And that just made them lose out on some other guys that are around the same range. It's just... I'm trying to think of how the fit works. And I just wonder if he was one of the priority free agent type guys they wanted. And with their last pick, they were just going to go ahead and make sure they got him since they had to wait so long. I would love to see them get Thacarius. Key is please nobody call him Bo Pete. We call him Thacarius around here. <laughs> Stanley Thomas Oliver, Prince Tega, Kima Denji. There's a lot of players out there I'd still love to see them grab. That I did it. off the board. By the is way. he off the board? Is okay. It? Okay. The Bengals I mean, grabbed that, him. That is Smart. one of those situations where, yeah, maybe the Chiefs heard that there's a lot less interest in Thakarius or a lot less interest in Stanley Thomas Oliver. And so to make sure that they completed everything that they wanted to do here at the end and in free, you know, undrafted free agency, they they took the gamble on the guy that they didn't think was going to be there. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the draft ended on a little bit of a sour note, but it can't be that sour because it's a fifth round pick. I overall, well, let's go ahead. I want to go across the board and just grade. We've got, we, we, we graded after two nights. Let's grade the, the full picture of the 2020 Kansas City Chiefs draft. Just give a quick grade. Any final, final notes that you have on this class, Craig? We'll start with you. Uh, uh, B plus. I, I really like it. I like it a lot. I wish that there was a little bit better value in the fifth round there. I'm just because of the fit there, but. I love the positions they added. I love the speed they added. I love the fits that they have. They got a future, potential future offensive tackle as well. Like they they really hit a lot of the things that I did. Even with a running back in round one, it's Clyde. So I can't be mad at it. He's going to be a star in this offense. So yeah, B plus for me. Dude, mine grading's a little difficult because like I grade all the picks and if I average out the picks, we're probably looking at a B to B plus for the Chiefs draft. But I really try to grade a whole draft based on what the plan for the team is in that offseason. And from what I can tell, the Chiefs' plan was this offseason, the run it back 2020. Their goal was to get just a little bit better through the draft, not through free agency, just get that one, maybe one and a half guys through the draft to be better this year. 
They did that with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and they did that by with Willie Gay. Like, yeah, they're going to help in the future, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire especially, and then Willie Gay Jr., especially if he figures out the playbook right away, those guys help right now. All the other picks are future guys with high upside, so I think they did exactly what their goal was, and then they got good players at those positions. So that takes that, you know, averaged out B grade and raises it up to about an A- minus for me. Definitely my favorite Brett Veach draft so far. Yeah, this is hands down my favorite Brett Veach draft. Um, and I think, you know, we've talked about the 2020 run it back draft versus the 2021 look to the future draft. I actually think they did a really, really, really good job of getting the best of both worlds. I really think that they were actually able to do both. Because, yes, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like he is definitely going to help year one. But, I mean, he's he's going to be good for five years. Um, Willie Gay Jr. is a upside play, but also he's one of their three best linebackers on the field already. Um, Lucas Niang, that's more of your upside play. It sounds like there's a chance he could play guard, but I think he's a guy... I, I Again, I think he goes in the first two rounds if he's healthy. And in another draft, he might go earlier than he did. And then Legereus Sneed, I love. I love the swing. I think you're getting an immediate special teams contributor. I am not putting it past him. I'm not putting it past Sam Madison to develop him to getting him contributing a little bit this year. Because we saw Rashad Fenton make a lot of strides last year, and he did some good things, and he wound up getting a lot of playing time. I wouldn't be stunned if we saw Legereus Sneed get similar run. I give it a B plus. I think they did a really good job finding value in the in the in the in the day two and three of the draft i love the value that they were able to get overall and i think that helps offset the fact that they swung for a running back and they got the best running back in the class and they got a guy that's going to be a dynamic pass catcher in this offense not just a running back i love what they did it's my and i agree maddie this is my favorite brett feeds draft it's it's fantastic i wish if they had done something different in round five we'd be the energy would be even different than it is now we had a chance for an all-timer yeah i mean and <laughs> this is a round five pick i mean and i don't want to say mike danny can't do anything i haven't watched enough to say that yet it's just there was other players on the board that i think would have sent me through the roof had we draft them in round five because this was edging on just an absolutely elite draft it's hard for a round five pick to bring it down too far. Just the lack of fit and path to the field for me does, you know, hold a small cloud over it at the end. But you know what's at the end of a rain cloud? A nice rainbow, which was the first four picks. Aww. <laughs> Matty uh, ended it on a happy note. <laughs> all right. Well, we're all going to go to sleep. <laughs> That's going to do it for the day Speak three Speak for yourself. Episode. I had to go build a chicken coop. Yeah, have fun with that. That's uh, that's it for day three episode of the AP Draft Show. We will be back with the mailbag for Monday. Catch you later.